Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our full interview with Joost Kevelam from Cobase, where Hussam and I ask Joost the ins and outs of what bank connectivity is all about. In this episode, expect to learn what is bank account management and electronic bank account management, how to manage users' rights and mandates on a bank account, meaning who in the company can take action when it comes to the bank accounts, how bank fees can be reported to the corporates and whether there is a standard in place today, how to implement and integrate a bank connectivity system, and much more. As you understand, we are now entering into the nitty-gritty details of bank connectivity now that we have broken down what it is in the previous episode. And this is a lot of fun. If you like the episode, the best thing you can do to support us is to subscribe or share the episode, leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, or all of the above. This is completely free, only takes two seconds, and makes Usam and I very happy indeed. Last but not least, we are now on LinkedIn and we'll be pretty active on it as of now. If you'd like to reach out, ask a question, or suggest a topic, feel free to reach out to Corporate Treasury 101 on LinkedIn. With all that being said, please welcome Joost Kevlam. Talking about that complexity, how can you make sure once you've sent your payment that it's properly either executed or on the right way, on the right highway, motorway, whatever? Like, do you have a, a kind of status report that you can find and that your bank can send you through this bank connectivity as well? Yes, exactly. There's different types of uh, technology available, uh, and that technology then can be transformed into information that is digestible by beings, for example, through a very simple traffic light system. So um, the payments have been sent, they are in process, and they, or they have been accepted by the, by the receiving bank. So there are different uh, technologies available. Traffic lighting is the, the most intuitive one, um, where you can really put on a dashboard for the corporate end user, typically a natural person, to see, hey, my payments are underway, they have been confirmed. Uh, all is good or not, of course. Yeah, super clear. So we have the payments, uh, we have the payment status report and also the information on where is the payment and did it arrive or not. Uh, we have the bank statements, meaning all the information your bank sends you regarding your bank account, your transactions, your account receivables information, meaning okay, this arrived on your bank account, it's, it's, uh, it's here. Anything else that uh, could be sent through the bank connectivity channels, uh, either from the corporate to the bank or the other way around? What we get asked about a lot by our clients is this thing called bank account management. And then if you read the, the corporate treasury press, there is every now and then this news about electronic bank account management. Yeah. Um, in practice, we see that this is fairly limited there ultimately is no real market standard to take care of this okay. um again this e-bomb thing we get asked about it but in practice we see limited uptake at the bank's site what is interesting however is that once you have a centralized payment software as a service solution or let's call it a payment hub in place 
it becomes very simple to start managing your users' authorizations, your users' rights and the payment approval processes, and whether that should be four eyes, six eyes, sequential, parallel, centralized, or, or decentralized. So on top of getting the correct banking information in, the correct payment information out, this extra level of added security mm-hmm. and organized in this in this one place this is a big driver for companies to start looking into bank connectivity if you start talking with corporate treasurers they get a new employee their own team or in their local team abroad and then they need to add this user to bank portals bank accounts give mandates this very fastly becomes a very cumbersome effort with a technological solution in place, so having established the bank connectivity, you can manage the user rights within this single platform because the technical connection between the corporate and the bank has been established, it's been secured, all natural person interactions over that channel can be managed out of a single piece of software. So you do not need to tell all banks that if Usam is leaving the company. You do not need to go to all banks to tell them that Usam have left, left the company and that the rights should be revoked. You simply go into this one online portal, valid for all banks. You disable Usam, take away his um, uh, authorization rights, and that's it. And the other way around, the new company that is hiring Usam simply onboards him. Likewise, only in this portal, no need to do this at all individual bank levels. Awesome. So not only do you get the information on what is happening on your bank account, you can also see and manage who can act upon your bank account, who is authorized to sign like transfers whatsoever. Yes. The signatories basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Super clear. Um, one of the things that annoys me the most with my bank is how much they charge me, uh, my bank fees. <laughs> mm. Is there a way for corporates to have a view on that? And does it pass by the bank connectivity channel as well? Or how is that information reported on? This information is not reported on in a very standard manner. What you can do is that if a bank is sending you this explicit information, it is possible to use the transaction codes to generate automated reports that put every transaction that has code so-and-so aggregate all those um, uh, transactions and give you a view on the explicit mm. bank views. But then it is a requirement that the bank is sending this information in a structured way. And this is not always the case. <laughs> and I imagine, again, uh, the information formats and template would vary a lot between uh, one bank and another. Yeah, thanks so much for taking us through on what connectivity is. We like to usually go into the nitty-gritty technical details as well a little bit. What's the actual process of setting up this bank connectivity channel. I'm guessing there's loads of firewalls in place. Banks are very IT secure in general. So having, setting up access rights to external companies, let alone internal, you know, like as well, they also have issues and must be quite a challenge. So what's the actual practical process? You go to a bank that you want to add into your uh, peer-to-peer network. Yes. And you get that started. And what do you need? What do they need? Yeah, so it's um, uh, it depends a bit on the partner that you are uh, working with. Um, in our case, we do have quite a uh, large network of banks that we work with on a recurring basis. So there we can do a lot on behalf of the client. So the, the bank knows who we as a company are. Um, we have the agreements in place and all that. So there 
the client can tell us, for example, for uh, for ING Bank, the client tells us, okay, please onboard me on your channel with ING. It's very light for the for the clients. For other banks or maybe in more remote locations, we ask the clients to tell their bank, their bank, we like to establish a host-to-host connection with Cobase or with yourselves for the purpose of getting the information to Cobase. And then here, this discussion is initiated by the corporate client. They know the bank, they know their relationship manager at the bank. But from that point, we take over. So after the introduction is done, I think I've mentioned it somewhere else in this um, in this episode that we like to keep this complexity away from clients. So after the introduction has been done, we know who the people are we should talk to. Then we take over from the client, really make sure that they only reap the benefits of the end result, having cash visibility, having the payment infrastructure in place. You do not want to burden them with this whole complexity, uh, the technological complexity. And do you do you do that directly? Do you guys have software vendors that you use, or how does, or do you use like an in-house team for all of that? We use an in-house team uh, for all of that. It is part of our offering. Um, we think we can be most successful by doing this in-house. So we have a dedicated team for bank implementation. It is literally the name of the team is the bank implementation team, and they do nothing else than implementing banks for corporate users. That's their day job. They work on the interaction between banks and uh, the company. And there's a client implementation team. Also, again, a, a local true co-based team that helps the clients through their implementation process. So we help them with the documentation, if any is requirement between themselves and the banks, uh, of course, between ourselves and them, we help them with setting up the portal, the dashboards. What is the information that you want to see? Who are the users that you are uh, want to onboard in the platform? So that's really um, done by us. And it depends a bit on the vendor that, uh, that the company is talking to. Some vendors work more with consultants. Some vendors work more with uh, external IT consultants for specific bank connectivity part we do it in-house for the client just to be clear you you guys offer mainly peer-to-peer connectivity or you also do the apis and the other stuff or swift uh, even um, uh, assuming by peer-to-peer you mean the the host to host which in essence yeah that's it's all peer-to-peer so that's uh you're, you're totally right there um, yeah, this is also part of complexity that we take away from clients. So the client tells us we want to deal with bank so-and-so. And then we look, okay, what is the information and the information richness that the client needs? And then we suggest to the client what the best technology is. So whether it's host-to-host or if an API is available and it meets the level of requirements that the client needs, we can suggest API. For example, if a company only needs reporting with a bank in a remote area where we think that due to language or understanding how working with third parties works, it is not very efficient to do host-to-host, then we suggest to the client, well, dear client, we understand you need account information from bank so-and-so, for example, in Japan, then we would suggest, okay, let's use the Swift network. Nice part about Cobase is 
is that we are a regulated company. We are supervised by the Dutch Central Bank. So we have a bank equivalent status in the SWIFT network. We have our own SWIFT big code. So we would simply ask this Japanese bank to send the SWIFT message to the Cobase big code and we can make it then available to, uh, to the client. But to put it short, also deciding what type of technology we deploy in connecting to the bank, we keep this complexity away from the client and we propose the technology that we think suits best with the actual client need. The more you talk, the more I think about like um, fintechs. There's more and more fintechs popping up every day. I'm guessing there are some in this field as well. How, how have, has the acceleration of the fintech industry changed bank connectivity overall, in your opinion? Or has it at all? It forces banks to be more outward looking and be more aware of what clients actually need. What is it that a treasury team actually needs? The whole acceleration in the fintech space has forced banks really to open up and start thinking about this. And they become very aware that things that were perhaps agreed years ago, like PSD2, that ultimately this is not only theory, but it, there should be heat on the bones there. So companies are starting to ask banks, hey, how about PSD2? How about your APIs? How do I get real-time balance information? Um, and then what fintechs do is that they fill this void between banks, commercial and banks, tech teams and themselves. There is this technology part that needs to be fulfilled and that's being fulfilled by fintechs. Um, in case of bank connectivity, uh, our firm is one of the, one of the examples there. What is, what is PSD2 used? You, you mentioned it a couple of times. Um, well, what is it exactly? Yeah, PSD2, uh, in very short, is a regulation that forces banks to open up their account statement data, for example, to third parties, and those third parties then are able to help the end consumer. Mostly used uh, in, the, in the retail sphere, but you can imagine every natural treasurer is also a retail person. So what your experience in private life is, sets the bar for expectations in your professional life. And uh, that's what we see in that area. So PSD2 is the regulation behind the open banking, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To your yeah. So it's the European interpretation of the broader concept of open banking. Yeah. Super clear. When you touched upon implementation and uh, the work your, uh, your team, bank implementation team does, Sounds like there is a lot of um, technology aspects, uh, a lot of like departments involved potentially. How does, does this whole connect to the company actually? Uh, as a corporate, what does my bank connectivity tools, such as the Cobase one, for instance, where would it connect and integrate? Is it through the ERP? I think you mentioned it a bit earlier. Is yeah. it through the TMS? We did a whole episode on, on uh, treasury system, so our audience is a bit aware of it. But yeah. how, how does the bank connectivity tool integrates into all this? Question here is what does the client want? Okay. For some clients, they uh, simply want a dashboard and a tooling to initiate payments to different banks without having to worry about all the different portals. For them, we have the online cloud solution for them to log in. Let's call it their Cobase website. They log in and have all information there online in the Cobase GUI. For the larger part of the customers that we help, they want to use that information further downstream or upstream, if you like. So we aggregate all account information, account balances, transactions. 
we convert and harmonize that to one single, let's call it a co-based format. And then we make sure that this co-based format is made available to the ERP system or the TMS. That can be both. We typically call this the ERP system. TMSs can be part of an ERP system. For us, it doesn't really matter if the client tells us, I want to consume the data in system so-and-so. We make sure that the data is made available to that specific system. And in practice, most of the corporate clients do want to use this in an automated way in a different system. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to to dig a little bit more into the, the Kobe's offering, but before that, I would like to, to wrap up maybe these nitty-gritty details of the bank connectivity aspects uh, by one last question, especially when it comes to Swift. So I keep on hearing about... Um, Having a company's BIC, a big, um, I think you touched upon it, the big corporates can be registered uh, with B, uh, with Swift directly. Uh, I think there is also a Swift offering, which is the Swift Alliance Lite 2, uh, which is also, I guess, a way to connect to, to the banks. Uh, are there others and what are all those? What's different connection types possible, basically, um, when it comes to Swift? Yeah, in all honesty, I am... Not the specialist in the in the Swift field. Um, when I talk to treasurers, they are mostly curious about the alternatives to Swift and the different um, hmm. uh, offerings that they have. Also in Swift Alliance Lite, you still have to operate your local server to receive all those documents. So also files. So also that is not very straightforward. So our role. When it comes to Swift, it's mostly that we are, as a regulated entity, are participating in the network for the benefit of the client. Mm. So, as explained before, we use the code-based big code to receive, for example, the MT940s on behalf of our customers. What a big benefit here is of the global Swift network is exactly that wide global reach. It's an easy way to connect to the more exotic banks that do not offer, for example, these host-to-host services. For a deep dive on the different um, uh, flavors of Swift-based connectivity itself, I'm very sure you will find guests that can tell you much more about it than myself. <laughs> no, that's that's already super clear. Thanks a lot. So, I mean, just take us through what Colbase does then exactly. So, uh, you mentioned quite a few times the kind of things that you offer, but 